I've been telling you lots of stories about myself with different friendships and relationships that I have with my kids or my wife. And one of the relationships that I have that are close is obviously with the people that I work with here on staff. And we have an awesome staff, a full-time staff. And, um, you know, I think about Pastor Bravone. He first met me when I was 16, and I wasn't there approaching him for a job. I was approaching him for his daughter at the time. And so he actually brought two big machetes out, and he sharpened them in front of me. I'm not making this up. He sharpened these machetes in front of me, and I have asked now to borrow those when someone comes and pursues my daughter, so I'm excited about being able to pass that tradition on, make sure all is well there. But uh, over the years, eventually, Kelly and I got married, and then the time came when he offered an opportunity for us to come work here and start a youth group, which is a really awesome thing to see God build and do over the years. And um, tons of Pastor Bavone and me stories, but that, that machete one definitely stands out. I think about Andrew, our worship pastor, who was just here leading you guys in worship, and Joey down the hall. He's spending time with your kids right now. Andrew, I met when he was in 10th grade, and he eventually became an intern at the age of 18. So he's been working with us for about 12 years. And Joey, his, man, I met him when he was about sixth grade, and he's been working with us for over 12 years now, doing a great job, running so many different ministries and stuff. And, and one of the things that sticks out to me about Joey and Andrew and our friendship is all the things we broke in the old building. We were just bad at breaking stuff over there. And one of the things that happened was one day we wanted to do dodgeball in the church sanctuary, and there were these really nice, like, like lighting fixtures on the walls. And we were like, you know, I wonder if these are going to break if we play dodgeball in here. And so we figured the only way to figure it out is to actually throw a ball at one. And so we got real close and we chucked a ball at one of the lights. And of course, as we all sort of stood there with our arms folded, it fell right off and smashed at our feet. And I got to Home Depot and back before you can say a pastor has two machetes and I didn't want to get in any trouble. And so I made sure we had that all figured out. But man, there's tons of of Pastor Bavone stories in me, Andrew stories in me, Joey stories in me. And we're here in this series talking about all the God in me stories and the ways that he's worked. And some of you guys are really excited about the God story in your life. You are just so pumped. Some of you guys are younger and you guys are thinking about like what's ahead and all the things God's going to write in your life. You're just excited about it. Some of you guys are a little older. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a while. You've been near him for a while. And it's just like, man, this is awesome. I just love being close to God. And then there's us, some of us in the room who are like, yeah, man, I'm like sort of testing out the God in me story. I'm not sure what that looks like, but I'm, I'm definitely up for it for now anyway. And some of us are wondering if there is a God in me story at all. And I want to encourage you today and say, yes, I believe that God is wanting to write a story for you specifically, that he's pursuing you, that he loves you, and he wants to do some amazing, incredible things in your life. So that's why we're talking about this God in me stuff. We're talking about what it looks like to follow, what it looks like to discover more about him, and, and maybe some of the attitudes of our heart that I hope is true for you and true for me. And so in week one, we just saw the heart of the psalmist who said, God, I love your presence. Like wherever your presence is, that's where I want to be. I just want to be close to you, God. And last week we talked about trust and we saw again the heart of the psalmist who said, God, I trust you. I trust you with my life. I trust you with the details. I trust you with all the stuff I normally stress about. God, I trust you. Now today I want to talk with you guys about something that's a challenge for every single one of us and it has to do with doing things our way. Isn't it true that there is something inside all of us that just wants to do it our way? We just, we think we know best. We think we know what's right and we just want to kind of do it our way. I know my kids, when they were growing up, the, their favorite word was mine, right? It's mine. This is my possession. This is my way. This is how I'm going to do things. A few weeks ago, my daughter Bryn had surgery, and the night before the surgery, our youth pastor Joey said, hey, can I bring Jess and our two 
twin daughters, Mila and Sienna, over. Can we just spend some time with you guys, pray for Bryn, and just pray that it all will go well? And so they came over, and um, it, was, it was really fun because they brought some flowers and a balloon. And Mila and Sienna, these two little adorable one-year-old twins, loved the balloon. They were all about the balloon. And Sienna had the balloon for most of the time. And she did two things with the balloon. She would go like this with it really hard until it banged her in the head over and over and over again. And the other thing was there was this little clip on the bottom so you could, I guess, attach it to a chair or something. She loved the clip because it gave it some weight. And she got this thing going like a lasso. She was like legit with it. And so she was doing her thing. But then about halfway through the hangout, all of a sudden, Mila takes the balloon and starts running, booking through the house, man. And I'm laughing at Mila. And then I turn around and I see Sienna and my heart is broken. Sienna's over here looking at Mila running away, going, mine, mine, mine. And Jess goes, no, that's not yours. So then Jess and Joey have taught these two little cuties how to do sign language. And so this is please in sign language, apparently. And so now Sienna's going through the house going, please, please, share, 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 please. And I'm like, oh, just kill me now. This is breaking me, breaking my heart, you know. But what's the deal going on here? We got two adorable little cute children, and we got one balloon, and both want their way, Right? And that, that's exactly how it goes in life. That's what we want. We, we just want it to go our way. We just want it to work out our way. We want our plans to be the ones that are accomplished. We want our thoughts to be the ones that we ended up following through on, right? I know for me, man, it could be just so easy to just want what I want. I don't know if you guys have discovered this. This is really deep. We're going to get deep real quick, kind of here. We're in five minutes in. We're going to jump in. You ready? I discovered something really powerful in August, the month of August. I'll probably never forget it. I wrote it down. I've journaled about it. It's uh, chocolate-covered Nutter Butters. They are insane. They are incredible. They're unbelievable. They're mind-blowing. We're on vacation, and I found these things, and I purchased them, and I thought it was going to just be mine. And as I discovered very quickly, I had a wife and a son who discovered them, and we jumped in together on these, and I didn't buy a big enough box. And so we're on vacation, and I go into the cupboard, and I open up the box, and there's one left. And I take it out, and I'm thinking, I should share this. I should let Cade have a little bite. I should let Bryn have a little bite. And I just thought, no, I'm going to have it. I'm going to go for this, right? It's mine, right? And as I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to like cover this up, I got to throw the box away so nobody knows. Like, what do I do here? As I'm doing that, I drop it and it falls into the sink into a nasty bowl of gross milk. There it is. Ruined. Now, after the first service, just so you guys know what kind of people we have in this church, several people asked me if I ate it. Come on now, right? Of course I did. No, no, I, I I did not. I couldn't do it. I looked. I was so upset. And guys, that's how life goes. Isn't that how it goes? When we just live for ourselves and we do it our way, when we want what we want, right? Man, things just kind of fall apart. Things don't go the way we hope that they will. And so today I want to talk about this whole struggle with doing things our way. You see, Proverbs 14, 12 tells us something really powerful about our way. It says this, there is a way, which is usually our way. There is a way that appears to be right. But in the end, it leads to something. What does it lead to? Some of us are looking at the screen going, well, I don't know, man. Was it lead to regret or, you know, some kind of silly mistake that you make? Does anybody know the, the word that's supposed to come up on the screen here? Death. Yeah, it literally leads to death. That's our way. That's where our way takes us. Now, you might say that seems a little intense. Well, Solomon, the king who wrote this, is, he's just seen it. Like, he's not trying to write theology here. He was just writing what he had experienced. You know, I've seen people time and time again, say, he's saying, I've seen them over and over and again try to do things their way, and it never takes them where they, they thought it was going to take them. Some of you guys are going, well, Doug, you don't know me, man, because my way I really do think is right, because I'll tell you what, man, my heart, my heart has shown me 
the right way. My, my heart has led me the right way. My heart has opened my eyes, right? I'm trusting my heart in this situation to lead me to the right outcome. Oh, great, because that's never backfired in your life, right? <laughs> trusting your heart. Do you know what the scripture says about trusting your heart? Look what it says, Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Our heart is deceitful, right? And so we think our heart is lighting the way for us, and we think our way then is the right way. But man, we're finding out and discovering something very true. And and we know this is true because how many of us in the room have had some kind of desire? We've had something we wanted to do, and what did we do? We were wise, and so we waited, and we slept on it. Anybody ever slept on anything? You slept on it. And you woke up the next morning, what did you do? Oh my gosh, thank God I didn't go through with that, right? Isn't it incredible how just after, what, eight hours of sleep, your heart, which was going, do it, do it, do it, is now going, thank God I didn't do it. And then there's those of us in the room who didn't sleep on it, and it has led to that regret, right? You're going, oh man, I wish I hadn't bought that, you know? I'm now a member of the Jelly of the Month Club for life, and I can't even have jelly. Like, like, what am I thinking, right? It didn't the moment, right? Oh, man, I probably shouldn't have spent two grand on purchasing property on Mars, but the, 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 the pitch just went so well. I probably should have spent the money paying off the loan I took out on the property on Venus first, right? I mean, the stupid things in the moment that we do, because our heart was leading us to the right way, right? No, the scripture tells us something very clear. Here's where we end up our way, trusting our heart, deceived and dead. So there's got to be a better way, right? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want you to think about some of those things in your life that maybe you're doing your own way. I want you to think about maybe some of the things that maybe your heart's a little bit deceived about. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'll tell you what, some of you guys have stopped pursuing anything having to do with God. Some of you guys have not allowed God close in your life because of this very thing. You just want to hang on to your things. You want to hang on to your way. You want to hang on to to exactly what you love and what you're used to. And you're thinking, you know what? If I follow Jesus, I'm probably going to have to give some of this up. And can I tell you something today? I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, that's true. You probably will have to give some of it up. And there's the struggle. But I got to tell you, though God calls you and I to give some stuff up, it is always, always Worth it when we do. You know, one of the ways that you and I know that trusting our own way and trusting our heart to lead us in that way is that we so clearly see when someone else is doing this and being a fool. Isn't that true? It's so easy to see this in other people. It's hard to see it in the mirror, right? But it's so easy to look at somebody going, man, you are just being dumb right now. Why can't you see clearly? Because my heart is leading me the right way. No, it's not. And there's some of us in the room today, actually, I'm going to probably broaden that out. I'd say all of us in the room today, in some way in our life, are a bit deceived and we're doing something our way, and I'm just telling you, God has a better way for you and me. So we're going to look in Romans chapter 12, and then jump into Ephesians 5 for a minute. And so let me tell you first what's happened in Romans 11, because that's so important. Like if you're going to understand Romans 12 and what it says here, we have to understand Romans 11. If I could summarize the entire chapter, Paul is saying this in his letter to the Romans in Romans 11. He says this, There are a lot of people who have been saved who do not deserve to be saved, okay? That's Romans 11. There are a whole bunch of people who have been saved. In fact, everyone who's ever been saved, whether they were Jew or Gentile, everyone who's been saved has been saved through grace. Everyone who's been saved did not deserve to be 
saved. And that's you and me here today, and I hope we all know that, right? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope you know that, that none of us here in the room today are followers of Jesus because we finally brought our little works book to him, and he went and checked all the boxes off and saw that we did everything perfectly. No, we're saved here because God is gracious, and that's it. And that's Romans chapter 11. And so then then Paul says, okay, now that you understand that, now that you know you have been saved because God is gracious, Let's talk about how we respond. And so here's what he says in Romans 12, 1. He says, therefore, or because of this, or because of everything I wrote in the last page, Paul's saying, because of all of Romans 11, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. He's going to call us to something in just a minute, but he says, I want you to know why. I want you to know God has been so merciful to you. And so now here's what you and I should do. He says this next part, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now that's a weird term. A living sacrifice. We all know what a sacrifice is, right? Sacrifice, usually you'll see in a movie or on TV or something, and a group of people will take an animal or another human, and they'll sacrifice it to appease God or the gods or whatever they're worshiping in the moment. Uh, that This sacrifice will cover some kind of penalty or, or sin, right? But Paul has made it really clear in the book of Romans that Jesus was the only last sacrifice, Right? And so I'm sorry, but at the night of worship next week on the property, we're not going to be doing any sacrifices on the fire, okay? Because Jesus was the final sacrifice. That's it. If you're here today going, oh, well, I have to sacrifice this and that before he'll accept me. No, Jesus died on the cross. God sent his son to save you and me to be the final sacrifice. And so you and I don't have to become dying sacrifices to follow Jesus. But there's this new term Paul uses, a living sacrifice. Well, what's a living sacrifice? It's a life lived God's way, right? Every single time you and I choose to do something God's way, we're a living sacrifice. We're living our lives in a way that's sacrificial. We may be giving something up that if it were up to our way, we wouldn't give up. But you know what we find when we give it up? It leads to good things. It leads to satisfaction in God. I'm not saying it's not hard sometimes. Sometimes being a sacrifice is hard. A living sacrifice is a tricky thing sometimes, but it's a good thing. And we're going to discover that as we go here. The truth is, our way, man, we want to blaze our own trail, right? We want to make our lives about success or fame or or stuff or money. Right? We want to date this person so badly because even though they, they pull us far away from God, yeah, we'll figure that out. We want to you know, go there and do what we need to do on that side of the equation because after all, though it's not quite ethical, it's going to get us where we need to go. Right? We, we have all those little poles in our lives, don't we? But no, God's saying, wait, 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 because I've saved you, because none of you deserve it, because I'm merciful, and because there's a better way, do things my way. And so he says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. He goes on, he says, holy and pleasing to God. God calls us to live a life that's holy and pleasing. Can I ask you a question? Has anybody in this room done that perfectly? No, we will all stumble at that, right? We will all fall at different times. But there is still this call to live a different life. Uh, The word holy means a separated life. Think about that. So think about the people you hang out with. Would you say that you're a bit separated Or you stand out a bit? Would you say that the people who know you would say, wow, that person just lives a different kind of life than I'm used to? There's something going on in them that seems a little bit intriguing and different because that's what you and I are called to. And that's what happens when we live God's way. Some of you guys are saying, okay, but I don't know why I'd want to live this way and I don't know how to live this way. We're going to get to that. 
But look at what it says here. He says, this is your true and proper worship. Guys, living a life God's way is our greatest form of worship. But Doug, Andrew was just up on the stage and the band was leading us and we were singing. Isn't that worship? Yes, that is worship. And it's an important kind of worship. It's when we sing to God, right? And we tell him how great he is and we tell him we love him and we're grateful for all that he's done. That's so important. But what's more important is the life lived in worship, right? And so let me ask you a question. Have you ever met somebody who could flatter you to your face, but you knew they really didn't like you or live like they liked you behind your back, right? They knew all the right words to say. You walk in the room, they could tell you this and that, and they could kind of, you know, flatter you a little bit, but then they would stab you in the back, right? And you would ask that person, what are you doing? Do you actually love me or are you just saying you love me? Do you actually like me and approve of me or are you just saying I have your approval? And see, we could come in here on a Sunday and it is important what we do here. It's important to tell the people in our lives that we love them and that they have our approval. That, that those words are important. They bring life, right? But more important than that is the life lived that backs it up. And that's what Paul is calling us to. He says, look, when you come and worship me, I'm, I, I, you know, God is, I'm sorry, when, when Paul says, you come and worship God, God is blessed. But there's this thing about our daily lives that is so powerful and so incredibly important. So you know what that means? Anytime you and I do something God's way, it's worship, right? So a shady image comes up on the TV and you change the channel. You just worship God. You just did it his way. You showed him he's more important to you than what that that image might bring to you in a moment's time, right? You shut down some gossip. Somebody comes to you and they begin to complain about a person. They begin to badmouth a person or an organization. And No, 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 I don't need to hear that. Go work it out with the person. You just worship God. You stand up, you young people here, man, you stand up to a bully in your class and you, you know, protect somebody who's weak and always gets made fun of. Hey, living sacrifice, that might cost you something. You might get punched in the nose. But man, you're worshiping God through that. Do you guys see how this plays out? How, man, all the little stuff in our lives is so important. He goes on. He says, do not conform to the pattern of the world. How do we live this way? How do we live this holy life, this different kind of life? We have to stand out. A follower of Jesus should look different than everybody else. If we enjoy all the same entertainment everybody else does, we're not standing out. If we talk the same way, We're not standing out. If we go to all the same places, we're not standing out. If we live the same way, we're not standing out. There's got to be something about you and me that looks different than the pattern around us. I have a friend who put this on my wall. He knows I'm a pastor. He put this on my wall on Facebook. You guys could check out this image. It says, when you wear your church carpet camo to hide during the meet and greet time. And some of you guys are on that game. I see you out there ducking behind the curtains, right? All right. But you know what? Guys, that is like a Christian trying to blend in with the world around us. I'm not saying we have to be all weird and mean and nasty. No, no, no. There's just got to be something about you and me that our coworkers and the people we go to school with look at and say, wow, I I wouldn't have responded like that in that situation. I would have lost my mind and freaked out on my coworker. But man, they were respectful. Wow. Man, I've never seen a marriage like that person. I'll tell you what, they live next door. It's crazy. It just seems like they actually like living in the same house. I don't even get it. How incredible. I hear they're Christians, right? Wow. You know what? Everyone in the locker room is talking all about all kinds of shady stuff and, man, swearing up a storm. Man, that guy never does that. What's going on in his life? There's something different about them. 
oh, they're not conforming to the pattern of this world. See, what's so funny is a lot of us want our own way because we think we're blazing a trail, right? We think we're living for something big. We're going to make our mark. Do you ever think about the fact that when you do that, you're just blending in like everybody else? It's actually when you and I say, no, I want to do it God's way. I want to be separated. I want to stand apart. That's when we blaze a trail, but not for our name, but for his. And that's when things get exciting. That's when things get powerful. We're actually going to do a new series in a couple weeks called Bright Shining Light. And we're going to talk about, though, how we are a bunch of imperfect people. Man, we as a church, we need to be a bright shining light out there in the world. We're going to talk a lot about that in the weeks to come. But I love that he's talking about this really raising of the bar in our lives. He says, okay, guys, let's stop messing around. Because we've been saved, we're going to live a holy life for God. We're not going to conform to the pattern of this world. And you might say, but Doug, I don't know how to do that. I'd love to do that. I'd love to change the channel. I'd love to love my spouse better. I'd love to stand up to the bully. I would love to be the guy in the locker room or the girl in the locker room that stands out and doesn't just blend in with everybody else. But how? Paul tells us how right here. It's so powerful. He says, but instead of being conformed and and blending in, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is the how. How do we live God's way? How do we want God's way? We have to renew our minds with God's thoughts. See, here's the thing. If you and I are going to gossip about the person, there's something wrong in here. Right? We all recognize that, right? Like if we're going to take joy in ripping someone else apart, we all see that for what it is, right? And so there's something off in here in my mind if I'm going to go do that. If I'm going to sit on a couch and look at an image of a naked woman and my wife is upstairs in bed, there's something going on in here that needs to change. If I'm going to allow a kid, you kids, in your school to be bullied and laugh at that, then there's something wrong in here that needs to be transformed. And so Paul tells us, here's how we do it. We've got to get the word of God right up in here we got to change this mind. we got to transform it. And this is what's going to do it. And when we get the word of God in our mind, we begin to see who God is, what he's like, how he acts. Jesus walked the earth, God in the flesh, so we could see somebody who lived it, right? See somebody who lived here in this world, right in the midst of the brokenness and the broken humanity all around him. And yet he lived a separate, holy life right in the middle of it. Didn't blend in stood out. And so if you're here today going, man, I'd love to live this holy life. I'd love to be that person that just kind of does it God's way. I'm telling you, this is the way. When you are here on a Sunday hearing the word of God preached, it's changing your mind and giving you a new lens to see God in the world around you. When you open up the Bible app or your Bible during the week and you spend time with God, it is transforming your mind. And suddenly the gossip doesn't look appealing anymore. Suddenly, the porn doesn't look appealing anymore. Suddenly, laughing along with everybody else at the kid doesn't look appealing anymore. Suddenly, that stuff begins to break your heart. And you begin to feel uncomfortable. And you begin to go, wow, i got to stand up against this. I've got to act differently. It's because the Word of God is now in your heart. You're listening to the podcast, and the preacher is preaching the Word of God. It's changing you and me. And so Paul is raising the bar here, and he's calling us to live such a better way. Do you know what I want to know about you? I, I know this about you. Not one of us at the end of our life want to be known as the person who was in the locker room telling all the dirty jokes. 
Not one of us want to live, be known as the guy who sat on the couch and just watched whatever came up on the screen. Not one of us want to be known as the person who either did the bullying or stood there and let it happen. None of us want that. None of us watch movies about that stuff or hear stories about that and are inspired. Oh, he's the guy who sits on the couch and looks at shitty images. Wow. Like, that's not what we get inspired by, right? No, we get inspired by the person who goes, man, I want to honor Jesus and I just want the best marriage I can. And I know that those shady images are not going to bless my marriage or, or, or bless my Savior. So I'm going to live a different way. How am I going to live a different way? Well, I got to fill my heart and my mind with the truths of God's word. I got to get them in me. And then I'm going to begin to see a different way, right? And so Paul calls us to this this different way, but then look at this, and you're going, Doug, I don't know, man. I hear some of the benefits you're bringing up, but, but why do I really want to do this? Well, look at what it says as Paul wraps up this part in verse 2. It says, then you will be able, then you'll be able to, once your mind is renewed, transformed, once God's word is in there, doing new and exciting things, then you'll be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. As God's word gets into our hearts, suddenly we see his way. Some of us are standing here right now going, I don't know what God's way is. Doug, you're telling me I should want God's way. How am I supposed to know it? Well, you got to get his word in your heart, and then you'll see it clearly for what it is. How powerful, right? Some of us are, are really trying to make some big decisions right now. Man, I just wish I knew what God was saying. Well, look, get in his word. He's going to show you what he's saying. You go, okay, cool. So you're telling me if I open up the Bible, like, like 1 Corinthians or something is going to say, marry Sally, not Jenny? Like, I don't see that in there, right? I don't see that in there. No, no, no. It's not going to tell you Sally or Jenny. You know what it's going to tell you? It's going to tell you who God is, what he's like, and what it's like to follow him. And now you're looking at Sally and Jenny through that lens. Wow, if I, if I know this God and I love this God and I'm walking close to this God, then I'll know if Sally or Jenny is the right one because, man, who's the one that makes me a better follower of Christ? Who's the one that's drawing me nearer to Jesus? Who's the one that I can push closer to God and she can push, push me closer? Who, who's that person, right? Oh, is it going to tell me in here if I go to Harvard or Yale? First of all, congratulations on the acceptance. But no, it's not going to tell you Harvard or Yale. It's just going to tell you, oh, this is what God's like, and this is what he's called us to in the world. And wow, if I'm at Harvard, then I'm going to have this opportunity. If I'm at Yale, I'm at that opportunity. And so which one will God better use me in? It's going to tell me in here if I retire to Florida or California. Overwhelmingly in the lobby, I got feedback. Florida wins it. I don't know why. Sorry, California. But that's what happened out there. Uh, no, it's not going to tell you that, but suddenly you're going to have all this time on your hands, and what are you going to do with that time? Well, where can God use you most, Florida or California? See, it's just a whole new lens, right? It's a whole new way of thinking. God's way. God's way. I know what I want to do, but God's way. What, what's he saying? And, and once I get this in my heart and once I understand what God is saying, suddenly some cool things start to happen. I, I begin to change the channel. I begin to shut down the bully. I begin to stop the gossip. I begin to love in new ways. I begin to spend my time in new ways. I, be, I begin to give and be generous in new ways. I begin to give toward international justice mission to end this sex slave trade. Man, wow, something new is happening. And it's so powerful. All because, so I'm not going to do it God's way or my way. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to open up the word of God and get it in my heart. Powerful things. Years ago, I was at a baseball game at Smithtown Christian School. That's where I went to school, and I was there to watch some of our youth group kids play. And I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, this big jack dude looks over at me. He goes, Doug Jansen? And I was like, do I owe you money? Like, I don't know how to respond to this right now. He's a big guy. And he goes... Doug, because when you were in 12th grade and I was in like ninth, 
there were some kids that were bullying me and messing me around, messing around with me in the hallway. And you told them to stop and leave me alone. And somebody, one of the other parents standing by goes, I don't think anybody would mess with you now, bro. Like this guy was huge, you know. And how crazy is it that I didn't even know who this kid was. I couldn't have told you his name. I did not recognize him at all. Remembered, probably that was 10 years before, just a moment of me that I didn't even remember, just stopping something in the midst of that. And this so impacted this guy. And I saw him a, a few months ago in a bagel store. And uh, I said, dude, once again, you're still huge. I'm so glad you're on my side. And I just said, bro, like, how you doing, man? What's going on? And where are you going to church? And he, oh, man, I haven't really been at church. And I'm like, oh, bro, you have to. And wow, like if I had been the guy helping bully or I had been the guy laughing and pointing or just walking by, you think he would have cared about me inviting him to church 20 years later? See, that's the beautiful thing. I'm nobody. I don't tell you that, tell you that story. I'm somebody. That, that's nothing, man. I just, I told the kid to stop and I was bigger than him at the time. It's nothing, right? But you know what? It's those things when we just start to choose God's way. In those little moments, those things we don't even maybe remember. How many times will we change the channel? We won't even remember. How many times will we stop the gossiper? I don't, what? What was she trying to tell me? I don't even know. What was he saying about the blessed? I don't even know. All I know is I want to do it God's way. It's incredible how we'll begin to stand apart. And how God will begin to give us opportunities to influence and be a blessing some of you guys are going, Doug, you're throwing a lot at me today, man. All right, so I got to live this holy life. It's because Jesus saved me, okay? It's not to get salvation, but it's because he saved me. So I got that. Okay, so I'm saved, and it's by his mercy. Now you're telling me live a holy life, and I got to stop blending in and conforming to the world. And the way I got to do this is by getting the word of God on my mind. I get the word of God on my mind. I'm going to see what God's like, and then I can start to live this. Is there any simpler way you could say it? Yes, Ephesians 5, 1. If there's something I could give you to aim at this week, here it is. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Be an imitator of God this week. What was Doug's message about on Sunday? I don't really know, but I do know he just told me to imitate God. I don't really know how to do that necessarily, but I, oh yeah, I remember something about if we read the Bible, we'll begin to see what Jesus is like. Because how are you going to imitate somebody unless you know what they're like, right? And so we begin to open up the Bible and I see what Jesus did. And wow, I want to be an imitator of Jesus. I don't know about you. I love imitation. I love uh, comedians who can do impressions. I think that's incredible. I love to do impressions. My wife, Kelly, is actually very gifted at impressions. She does some of you very well. No, I'm just kidding. And so we have just a lot of fun with that around the house, and we, we laugh with the accents, and the kids like to play around like that. And I'm sitting in a fine Italian restaurant just down the street, Branchinelli's, with our full-time staff this past Wednesday, and we're just talking, and we're hanging out. And as we're talking, actually it was the Wednesday before, as we're talking, all of a sudden the waiter comes up. And this waiter is exactly who you want him to be. He is this big dude, deep voice, thick Italian accent. And I'm lost in my phone. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at texts and stuff. And he comes over with all the plates and he begins to put the plates out with the food. And as he puts the plates down, he is announcing what each dish is. And so he comes over, I'm lost in my phone. He goes to Joey, rigatoni with the meat sauce. Just like that, right? And I'm looking at my phone in another world, and I'm about to imitate this guy out loud just because I loved his voice. And so I literally am starting, I take a deep breath, and I'm like, and I'm like, shut up. Like, what are you doing right now? It was just gonna flow out of me. And then I would have got beat up. 
But man, what if you and I hear what God sounds like? What if we see what God looks like? What if we see what it looks like to live God's way and to walk like he walks? We're going to start imitating. We might not even realize it. It's just going to flow out of you and flow out of me. But we've got to be a bunch of people who have the word of God in our heart. And so that's why every Sunday, every Friday, you kids that come to Green Room, every deeper ladies that we have, every community group, we're going to be talking about the Bible. We're going to be talking about God's word because this is what does it. This is what transforms our minds. This is what empowers us to see this Savior that we're trying to imitate and emulate. And so we'd love to give you a Bible today. If you don't have one, there are great Bible apps on all the platforms. If you want to download the, the YouVersion app, that's an amazing one that a lot of people use. Millions and millions of people around the world use that. Just get the Word of God so you begin to understand it and get it in your heart. Mark is always a, a book that I recommend if you're kind of new to this. Uh, read the book of Mark. It's a snapshot of Jesus. If you open up the Bible, it's about three quarters of the way through, and you can just read through there, discover who Jesus is, discover what it's about to follow him, see what he was like, see what he did when his enemies came at him, see what he did when he was faced with temptation, see what he did when others uh, falsely accused him, see what he did when people had conflict and how he caused them to work it out, see what he did, right? And then you and I more and more will begin to do things God's way. And so we saw in the week's in the past, the heart of the psalmist saying, God, I love your presence. And then last week, God, I trust you. And today, I hope we see the heart of Paul. And it's just simply this, God, I want your way. I want your way, God. I want it. I want to do what you've called me to do. I want to be who you've called me to be, whether it's the image on the screen or the way I talk to somebody or the way I deal with a professor or an employee. God, I just want to do it your way. And I know I'm going to stumble, God, and I'm going to get it wrong sometimes. And I thank you Jesus died to forgive me of all that. But I want to get right back up again and just keep aiming at your way. And you know what's funny? You read in Romans 12 here that that way, that will is good pleasing and perfect. You know, your way, my way, it's, it's bad, displeasing, and broken, right? Like We find that at the end of the day. But God's way is good, pleasing, and perfect, even though it takes sacrifice. So that's going to be hard sometimes. I'm not trying to sell you something here today and tell you that following Jesus isn't difficult sometimes. It is. To stand out sometimes is hard, but worth it. And so what will you and I need to maybe bring to God today. And that's what I want to encourage you to do right now. Bring to God those areas of your life that you've just been doing it your way and you know it, you know it. You know, as soon as I started talking, you're like, ugh, I don't even want to be here right now because I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear that that needs to change. I like that. I want to hang on to that. But isn't that the thing that's causing conflict in your marriage? Isn't that the thing that's causing you lack of sleep and lack, uh, lack of peace? Because you know, man, God wants you doing something differently in life. Isn't that the thing maybe that's in the way of you getting closer to God? Isn't that the thing maybe that's keeping you from being the influence you could be, the bright shining light like we're going to talk about in a few weeks? Man, maybe that's the thing that will actually lead to great freedom. And so we got to read the Word of God. we got to memorize the Word of God. we got to hear it preached. we got to speak it out loud. we got to sing the Word of God. Because that's how we know what God is like so we can imitate him. So God has been challenging me in some ways. And years ago, God really challenged me to be really careful what I let my eyes see. And so I, I love movies. Um, I've been so busy lately, I haven't watched a movie in a really long time, actually. But I, I normally love movies. And, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, in the day we live in, there's so, a, lot of, a lot of garbage in movies. And God just put on my heart, like, don't tolerate that. Like, don't tolerate nudity in movies. Don't, like, if there's nudity in it, don't watch the movie. If there, you know, like, just don't put up with it. 
It's not going to take you anywhere you need to go. And so recently, God just really put on my heart, like, that there maybe even within that, there's some stuff that, that's on TV that, you know what? How, how, is, how is pushing the line even to the point of almost nudity going to help anybody, right? Like, like, you know, just an impure image or an impure, so there's a couple of shows God just convicted me, like, Doug, just give that out, man. Like, like that's just not, how is that going to help, you know? There's other ways to enjoy entertainment and have fun. Just, just give up that stuff that's going to take you down that road. Along with that, there's an app that I used to have on my phone, because I love movies so much. I used to read about all the upcoming movies and what's going on here and there. And, and unfortunately, on the app, there would be an inappropriate image every once in a while. And so I would do my part, and I would report as inappropriate. Wow, look at me. Aren't I awesome, Right? doing something. And God just sort of convicted me, like, just delete the app, man. Like, come on. You can report it all day. It's going to keep coming up. Just delete the app. Another thing God's really been put in my heart is I'm a pastor, so I work with people. I deal with people. I'm in the people business, right? And there are times, because of that, people come to me with problems with another person. And so I have to help them navigate that, right? And something that God's put on my heart is, Doug, just be really, really careful when dealing with that, that you are not gossiping or listening to gossip that you're really careful to say only what needs to be said, and that you do the biblical thing. You point them back to the person that the conflict actually is with in the first place. And I want to let you guys know, and we'll talk more about this in the future, but we as a church, we are working overtime to make sure that we are united. We're working overtime to make sure that there are not divisions in the church, that we're not going to allow for gossip to take place. We're not going to allow for people to remain at odds. We're going to work toward reconciliation because that's what Scripture calls us to. And that's how we're going to be a healthy church. And we don't really care if we're a big church or a small church or whatever. We just want to be a healthy, growing church, right? And so just so you know, that's our heart and that's where we're at. But that's something God's really been putting on my heart. Doug, don't listen to stuff, man. And shut it down. And certainly don't say stuff beyond what you have to say to help resolve the conflict. So I don't know what's going on in your life, but I would guess there are some things that God wants you to just start to do his way. And all I can tell you is I really don't miss the shows I gave up, but I'm freed from the temptation of the images they used to put before me. And I really don't miss the app. Once in a while, I'm like, eh, I'm tired of reading about the Mets losing. What should I look at now? I wish I had that app. And then I'm just like, nah, I really don't. I really don't because, man, what a nice thing to just be free of that of that stupid image that I don't need. And, and you know what? It's really hard. You guys know this. It's really hard to stop someone in their tracks when they want to rip somebody else apart. And sometimes when you're hurt, it's really hard to not rip somebody else to a friend. And there's, there, there, there's a fine line, I think, of talking with somebody in a way that can lead toward reconciliation and can lead toward health and can maybe bear a burden. But I think we have to be very careful about that line. And I know Man, I just feel great at the end of the day when I have known I haven't ripped a person apart. I haven't listened to anybody else rip a person apart. But by God's grace, I've just tried to do it his way. And you know what, guys? I'm imperfect, man. I hope today it doesn't come across like me trying to promote me. I'm just telling you my imperfections and the things God's called me to do to try to do it his way. And you know what? Next week, we could have a new conversation about the new thing he tells me that I need to be working on, too, that I don't even know about today, right? But man, it's so worth it to do it God's way, his way, his will. Is good and pleasing and perfect. And the way we get there is by getting his word in our heart and our mind, having that mind transformed, and we can imitate him. We can know what he's like. We can love like he loves. We can live like he lives. And when we fall short, he picks us up because he's so good to us. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, what is it for you? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to put your trust in Jesus today. He, he loves you so much. He died for you. He rose back from the dead. It sounds crazy, but it's true. And I know it's true for many reasons, but one of the reasons is changed lives. And there's about 100 of them in this room right now. 
And so if you'd like to put your trust in Jesus and begin to live his way, he's going to give you the strength to do that and be an awesome thing. So love for you to pray with me now if you'd like to do that. But let's be a church that does it God's way. Thank you, God, so much for your faithfulness, your goodness, your power, your love, your mercy. We are all undeserving. We are all people who should not be saved today, but we are because of your grace. So we thank you, God. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want to ask you to to talk with God now. And I want to ask you to, to say, God, what am I doing my way? What do I need to do your way? How, how can I be a living sacrifice that honors you? How can I be an imitator of God? If you're not a father of Jesus, I encourage you to pray with me now. Something like this. Jesus, I put my trust in you this morning. I'm so grateful that you have saved me. You were the sacrifice for all my sin. And now I ask you to rescue me and be my God and my Savior. And I thank you that you invite me to do things your way, the best way. And I pray you'll help me understand your word and that it'll transform my mind and that I'll be able to be an imitator of Jesus. So before you open your eyes, if there's anyone that put their trust in Jesus today for the first time, I would love to be praying for you this week. And so if you just want to look me in the eyes real quick, that would be awesome. Anybody here for the first time put their trust in Jesus? Awesome. Anybody else here? today? Awesome. I see you. That's great. Anybody else? Over here in the middle. Awesome. Thank you for that. Cool. Thanks for letting me know. Anybody else over here? God, we're so grateful to you, God. I just pray for each and every one that's put their trust in you. Jesus, they will find your way to be so good. Amen.